Welcome, Traveler, to the Inn at the Edge of Greenwood, a cozy roleplay podcast where adventurers from many realms come to tell their tales. You won't find any dice rolls or TTRPG mechanics here, just good old-fashioned make-believe and storytelling. We hope you enjoy your stay, and if you do, that you let us know with a review. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's grab something hot to drink and listen to a story. Ah, dear friend. Goodness, it has been a long while since I've written last. I hope you've been well. So much has happened here at the inn. I honestly wasn't sure if I would pick up my quill and write another set of letters again, but the stories that have come through are just too good to be left untold. The inn has been taking on new life as of late. More travelers are coming through, and I'm starting to feel like it's more my home. It's always been home, but... It's always been my grandfather and father's inn. I'm learning slowly to make it mine. But more on that later. I have to tell you about our first visitor of the new year. A very enigmatic traveler who honestly left me a little taken aback at first. But the story they told? Well, listen for yourself. The Inn at the Edge of Greenwood, Book 2, Chapter 1, Fangs and Family. The moon is incredibly bright tonight as you walk along a small, thin path uh, on the edge of a forest. And it's a little disorienting because you had been walking and just kind of musing to yourself and enjoying the night. But as you look up, you you must have been walking for a while because you don't recognize the tree line from where you had been previously. And you look to your left and right and forward and back and you don't see the town you came from, the lights of it sparkling on, on a hill or anything like that. Nevertheless, must have just gotten lost a little bit. So you continue on your path. And there's a there's a spring chill in the night air and, and quite a bit of fog that is just kind of eking out of the forest and across the ground. And it's uh, for many people, it might feel a little ominous, but for you, you feel quite at home uh, here here under the moonlight. Yeah. As you go, the next thing that you see that could be ominous is a solitary building on a hill. It comes around a corner. As you come around a corner, you see it, and you you kind of do a quick check to your left and right, and don't see any sort of town here. You don't see other permanent structures. You see signs of people that had been here, cart paths, and um, you know little bits of boxes and wares that maybe have gotten left behind. But this building on the hill seems to be the only thing that's permanent here, and that would be ominous here in the moonlight, except for the fact that there's a beautiful warm candle and firelight glow coming from the opening and you hear just the slightest bit of music and conversation you determine pretty quickly that this isn't some mansion or or uh small keep but rather an inn 
here on the hill. And it is getting quite late at this time. So what do you do? That's, that's a bit odd, but maybe they can, I suppose, point me in the right direction. It's not like me to get lost in my own town, but... And he's just going to head towards towards this building. Okay, so as you come up closer to it, you see that it's a pretty standard, um, you know, fieldstone-based uh, building with white walls and wood panels that, that come up. It's two stories, and you see that there's a staple around back, a uh, little garden behind as well. The doorway itself is not open, but it's cracked open a little bit, and that and you can hear plenty of noise coming from inside. There's both stairs and a ramp that lead up to uh, the door itself. And you smell a little bit of something that's been cooking. Maybe, hmm, probably, probably a pig or a boar uh, that's been on a spit. But it uh, doesn't sound like a huge crowd inside, but people seem to be jovial and talking and happy. I think um, I'll just walk up. Just walk up in there. Okay. As you walk up and open the door, you see a very large hall, uh, banquet hall style. The ceiling to this building is quite high with big wooden beams that cut across it. There is an L-shaped bar on the right-hand side, uh, very close to the door that you came in on, a little coat rack next to it. And looking down your left, you see this large open space with lots of tables and chairs set up and a fireplace along the far wall. There's a door as well on the opposite wall that leads up a staircase. Uh, and you see probably about maybe eight to ten people scattered throughout. You see uh, halflings and humans, uh, a couple gnomes, uh, and one elf uh, that's sitting at a table with, with a couple friends. And behind the bar, you see a young man with short brown hair and uh, a kind of a slender build wearing an apron. And he is cleaning glasses and pouring beers uh, for people who are coming up and ordering. And as the door opens, he turns uh, and just clocks you real quick. Doesn't, you know, stare you down or anything, but just wait, raises a hand and says, oh, welcome, welcome. Uh, put your coat uh, on the rack and have a seat and I'll be right with you to get some food. Thank you. I'm, I'm not wearing a coat, but I think I'll take a seat. Um, oh. And he just kind of gives the kind of gives the, the place a once over and gives like a I suppose it's okay kind of nod and takes uh, finds a seat to take uh, I think on his own if he can. Yeah. How generally perceptive or or keen eyed is is your character? What Ooh, what, um, what details might he pick up here? I think he. With the kind of person he is, he'd pick up the number of people around, mm -hmm. uh, whether or not they're armed. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, any entrances, entrances or exits, and yep. definitely if anyone, if anyone's like staring, I think. Yeah. So you don't see anyone. So you see about eight, eight people, um, including, and then nine with the innkeeper. Um, you don't see any weapons per se. A couple people have knives on their side, but they're not even daggers. They're more like hunting or utility knives. Um, no one's really staring you down. You you don't seem to have, you know, a couple people look when you come in and just, you know, are aware of your presence, but no one's, no one's giving you a side eye or anything like that. 
So as you sit down and the innkeeper uh, eventually a couple minutes later comes over to you, would you mind describing uh, what he sees? What does your character look like? Yeah, um, so my character is, his name is Emra Adeles. He's uh, about six foot four, six foot five, um, toned and like athletically built. Um, he appears elven, but uh, from his kind of red tinted eyes and unusually sharp canines that look almost like fangs. It's very clear that he's um, part vampire, uh, a dampier or half vampire. Um, his eye, like I said, his irises are like a tinted a blood red. Um, and he has uh, black hair and a twisted um, top fade. Um, around his neck is a red medallion um, encircled by like a band of gold. And I think probably the most weird, the oddest thing about him is that um, his neck has a kind of a scar or maybe even a stitching all across it, almost as if it was recent, like uh, it's been slit at some point and it's healed over and been stitched closed. Um, he wears right now, he's wearing a long, um, very regal cloak with um, a rose motif that goes up the sleeves and those sleeves are rolled up to his elbows. Um, and underneath that is a grayish top with um, a red waist belt and slightly darker gray harem pants and very, very nice. Clearly this person is rich because <laughs> everything he wears is uh, pristine condition, uh, especially his boots, even though he's definitely been walking through the mud, he always seems to have them clean or cleaned frequently. Um, other than the scar around his neck, the other thing that probably be odd about him, or at least people would notice, is that um, from his um, around bicep up to his um, like the start of his fingers is entirely wrapped in bandages um, on both arms. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much how he looks. Uh, he just takes a seat um, very casually and leans back in it and watches the, the barkeep. Yeah, so the innkeeper, as he comes closer, um, now getting a better look at you, there there is a bit of a pause, especially as you can tell that he clocks your eyes and your and your teeth. Um, nevertheless, he you know does his best to not you know make a make too much of a visual display of of, of his emotions, and uh, steps over and says, uh, "Welcome to the Inn at the Edge of Greenwood, Traveler. Um, can I get you something to to drink or eat tonight?" Sorry, did you say Edge of, Edge of Greenwood? Yes, uh, that's the name of the forest uh, outside that you would have been traveling along. Um, are you from these parts? No, I, I can't say I am. I've never heard of Greenwood. I see. Um, he looks and clocks your ears as well. Um, forgive me, but are, are you from Mirren, the, the Elven Kingdoms? He just shakes his head, just staring at his person like. And you see the innkeeper kind of doing mental math a little bit. And then there's a little bit of a, not a smirk, but almost like a smile of recognition that comes over his face. Goes, I see. Um, welcome again. Um, this place is a wonderful and sometimes odd area where people who aren't quite sure how they got here do often find themselves here. Um, have no worries. Uh, I've not met anyone uh, that hasn't made their way back home again, but to be quite honest, you, I don't think that you're probably in your same 
kingdom or world right now. Huh. Are you familiar with the planes? Yes. Yes, I am. You, you, you might be in a different one. I don't mean to assume, but uh, if you're not familiar with Greenwood and you're not familiar with Mirren being, being an elf as, as yourself, um, I don't think this is your, your home, uh, unfortunately. No, that's, that's interesting. Thank you for that information. I guess I suppose to make sure to keep clear of whatever region had the weak point that walked through, but do you know if there's a way to get back? Uh, it seems to just happen. Okay. It, 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 and sometimes it, well, not to alarm you, but I've had visitors who have ooh, been here for a week or more before it happened for them. Um, some the same night they arrive. So it's hard to tell. Well, it's fine. I have, I have time, I suppose, if it's a week or a day. Yes, um... You, you're taking you this remarkably better than many patrons who come through my tours, I must say. I'll admit this is probably the most normal thing that I've, that's happened to me in the past week or so, so... Oh. Yeah. That's... He, he like, doesn't know what to say to that. He's just kind <laughs> of like... Like, you kind of get that sense of, like, he's used to being the one explaining the strangest thing that's ever happened to someone. And to hear that come from you, he's very kind of like taken aback, but uh, he does, he just kind of chuckles to himself, and then uh, would you like a room then for tonight, uh, while you wait for, for your home to bring you back? Yes, I suppose if we don't know how long it's going to take, um, I'll have a room for a week, just in case. Certainly, no problem at all. Uh, and anything uh, for food? Um, what's your finest alcohol? Oh, well, we since the borders opened uh, again for trade with the elves, I've been able to get uh, a lot more of their spirits down here uh, in our kingdom. And there's, well, take your pick. Their, their brandy, their bourbon, their wines, it's all oh, quite wonderful. I'd have a wine. Red or white? Red. Red. And he goes back, uh, and you see him pull a bottle out from underneath the bar and pop it and... Pour you a glass of red wine, brings that over to you and sets it down. Uh, could I get your name for the for the room, please? Yes, Imra Adeleth. Thank you. It goes back, you see him pull a big book out, open it up, write your name down. He grabs a key, brings that back over, sets it on the table and kind of slides it over to you. Thank you. Uh, if you need anything else, please let me know, but... Um, we're very lucky to have a bard here tonight, so please enjoy the uh, the music. And um, yeah, if there's anything you need, just just wave me down. I'm the innkeeper and uh, be able to help you with anything you need. Could I get your name by any chance? Oh, most people just call me the innkeeper. Um, my name's Henry, but I don't really go by it. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with the innkeeper then. Okay. Thank you. So he goes back and begins his his work, and yeah, there there is a halfling in the corner, kind of tuning an instrument. Who um, now you hear a couple strums of chords begin to to play, and a, and a soft song. It's not terribly intrusive, um, just quietly coming from the corner, uh, begins to play. Uh, and as you look around, um, there are a couple people now who, having you know, you getting closer and them too, you are getting a couple stares. Um, People are 
looking kind of, they're really trying to not be seen, but you catch it very easily. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're, they're checking your eyes. They're checking your fangs. It's, it's definitely a, something that stands out from, from the normal visitor that comes through here. I think every, whenever he sees someone like trying to catch a glance, he just gives them the brightest, toothiest grin just to show <laughs> off the fangs they can get a good look at him. And they immediately just like duck back and, and try <laughs> not to be to be seen. Uh, very, very caught off guard and embarrassed. I think while while this bard is playing, he, he'll pull out this book he has strapped to his side. Um, it's nothing fancy. It's a very simple and um, brown leather bound book. Um, a notebook, actually, uh, that he just um, takes notes in. And he kind of just pulls out a, a quill and an ink ink um, thing. Can't remember the name. Ink bottle, that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the quill in it. And he kind of just lets his hand write. It's a thing that he does often just to relax. And also it's kind of, kind of his form of meditation. Um, mm. He doesn't even really look at the pages. He's, it's almost like his hand is just writing on its own. So he's kind of just writing while watching the bard and then trying to catch any other curious onlookers who are staring at him to give them a bit of a fright as well. Um, you do think... catch the bard's eye at one point and Ooh. give uh, the bard a big grin. And instead of looking embarrassed and looking away, the bard just smiles back at you as as they continue singing. They, uh, <laughs> they don't seem to be taken off guard by anything, uh, as most bards probably aren't. Yeah. I think he, I think he kind of expects that almost. I think it's just kind of like, ah, oh, bards, they're the same in every plane, <laughs> apparently. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he's, I, I think when he's noticed how, um, when he said his name was Imra Adaleth and the innkeeper didn't like react in any particular way, just mm -hmm. was just like, yeah, sure. He just kind of like, oh, okay, that was, that's odd, I suppose. He usually gets, uh, glare of disgust or fear whenever he's someone he reveals his name but yeah got nothing that time which was i think maybe a bit disappointing for him because it's like maybe i'm feared in other planes as well let's see <laughs> <laughs> no okay <laughs> the song comes to a conclusion and there's a smattering of applause and then that bard who caught your eye uh raises their voice and says uh newcomer visitor is there a song that you would love to hear um, I'm not entirely sure if you know any of the songs from my home, but do you know anything? Hmm. That's kind of mood I'm trying to set. Anything joyous as well. You already had something. I don't want to change up the mood that you've been playing already. Something joyous to get people excited. Joyous. Moving. I can do joyous. And there's a quick strum of the instrument, and there's a small cheer that goes out as a familiar tune begins to be played. And very soon they're stomping and clapping, and and people are banging their uh, they are banging their tankards on the table. And very soon a very joyous drinking song uh, begins, and it goes for a short time, and then uh, ends with a cheer, and. The bard kind of tips their cap to you uh, and then points to another cap that is on the floor in front of them and just gives a wink. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull out um, a gold coin. I don't know if my, the currency from my place means anything here, but he'll pull out a gold coin and flick it over. Um, probably can't quite get into the hat from where he is, but he'll, he'll, he'll give an attempt at the very least. 
I would say that uh, with your uh, with your provocations and, and dexterity, you would you would absolutely just slowly through the air it oh, tumbles. Yeah. It goes past someone's shoulder and arcs perfectly into the hat on the on the floor, and the barb gives a nod of approval to to the shot, and then continues singing. I think um, the one, so I probably like gave a few people a scare by grinning at them when I saw them staring, but the first one that stared, I want to like walk over to them and just, just take a seat beside them. Okay. Uh, it's at a table with two people there. It's the table with uh, the other elf that's in the room um, who, as you get closer, are you in your world? Um, are there um, Eladrin? I, no, no, it's not. Okay. It's a, yeah, no. Okay, so as you get closer and you look at this elf, it's it, it's interesting because it's it's very obvious uh, an elf by the ears, but the the features overall are much more exaggerated. There's a long pointed chin and nose. Long the ears are very long and come to almost these fine points, um, almost whisker like. The eyes are there. There are no whites to the eyes. It's all iris. Um, but they have a friendly smile on their face. And as you get closer, um, you see uh, they are sitting with a, uh, a, a halfling woman. And she has long red hair um, and round, friendly face. And as you sit down, joining them now, uh, the elf and the halfling both kind of look at you with kind of a wide expression. And uh, the elf, he says, can, can I help you, sir? Oh, no, I thought there was something I could help you with. You, you seemed oddly intrigued by my coming. No, uh, apologies. Uh, didn't mean to stare. Um, haven't been anybody new to the to the inn in, in a few days, so I was just happy to see someone new. Uh, please, can I buy you a drink? No, I, I already had a wine. I try not to drink too much, especially when... Um, I'm not entirely sure when I'm going to be getting home. But... Uh, can I get your names? Might as well um, make some friends here while I am here. Yes. Um, well, my name is uh, my name is Terrell, and this is um, my my friend Primrose. It was a pleasure you, to meet you, Terrell and Primrose. Y your name, sir? Imra Adeleth. I see. Uh, nice, nice to meet you, Mister Adeleth. Uh, just Imra is fine. Mister Imra, very well. You can drop the mister as well. Um, uh, apologies. Uh, just trying to show my respects. Um, I appreciate that. Well, uh, have a wonderful stay. And he's like very politely <laughs> trying to get you away from their table, but he does. He's still very intimidated by you. I think Imra just Imra definitely clocks onto that, but doesn't react. Just kind of leans onto the table and just says, "So, what's it like here? In on the edge of, I suppose what." Greenwood? I'm, I'm new here. Oh, um, well, it's been some time uh, since the, the, the borders opened up, so I'm fairly new myself, um, having come down from the kingdom of, um, of Mirin. Um, it's, a, it's a lovely place with fine people and hard workers and um, just a, a quiet lifestyle, I guess you could say. None of that... None of that uh, adventuring and and uh, wars and fighting that the, the the south of the kingdom seems to see quite often. Hmm. So there's no no, no wars, nothing, no major conflicts happening now, at least with Miram. 
Um, no, between Alson and Mirren, not at the moment. Um, differences have been put aside uh, for the time being, for the greater good. Um, I suppose that the... Well, the kingdom is, is blessed to be not embroiled in, in conflict for the first time in a long time. And, and you, sir, what, um, where do you hail from? I don't know if you know it, uh, especially after what the innkeep let me know, but I am from, uh, my city's name is um, Holomog. My, my mother's the duchess of that city. Oh, I see. Uh, well, I'm, I'm terribly afraid I'm not familiar with, with the name of the city. Is it across the Western Sea, then? You could say that, yes. Yes. Um, I'm sorry to pry more, but how long has it been since the last major conflict between Mirren and... Uh, sorry. What was the name of the other... Alson. Nation? Alson. Um, well, I, I suppose it's been probably... Well, since King Usman took reign, it's been 15 years, um, and it had been 20 years prior to that that the kingdoms had been at war, so, and then it's been a couple of years. So, I mean, yes, between 25, 26 years, I would say. I think he kind of pulls out his notebook again and starts writing, just writing down in it. Um, and I think if anyone, he's not really trying to hide it at all, honestly, but like, it's not yeah. obviously out in the open. But if anyone could see over his shoulder, he's definitely right. Um, Mirren may have depleted forces or <laughs> not fully equipped forces. <laughs> possible possible um, conquest, conquests, and kind of underlines that and then closes his book. Um, oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, the halfling woman has not said anything this whole time. She is just like kind of wide-eyed, like looking at you and like, you can tell that she's like you see like this little bead of sweat that's going down the the side of her face. I, I think um, very suddenly, like this whole time he's been looking at um, Torel, he just very suddenly snaps over to look at Primrose and just says, "How about you? Do you have a oh, story to tell?" Oh, good sir, I'm. Uh, I, I I don't have much of in the way of a story to tell of my life. It's it's quite a uh, quite boring, quite quite day to day. Um. Uh, and he and Torell kind of puts a hand over and and assures her. He's like, uh, "Miss Primrose, is it is it much for 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 storytelling? Um, you'll excuse us. We we have we're, we're on a bit of a, a a bit of a romantic evening." Ah, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was intruding. I'm. Please continue. And he stands up and gives Primrose another smile. Again, just all fangs. And she, before. like, tries to smile back, but it's very, like, very forced <laughs> and uh, almost like a little kid trying to trying to smile for their school pictures. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's almost gruesome. <laughs> he, he just chuckles a little bit that he enjoys this kind of stuff. And I think he's going to walk over. Is the bard still, like, on stage, like, on stage, I don't know if there is a stage, but is he still up front? Um, like he playing? is. Uh, uh, yeah, the the bard is still up front, but they are in the middle of kind of taking a bit of a break. They've got their instruments set off to the side, um, are pulling some coins out of the hat. And as you walk up to them, uh, they give a bit of a nod and say, 
Hey, so you tried to stump me with a with a song, but uh, <laughs> no such luck. No, I, I didn't think of stump you. You seem like uh, I've come across many bars, and it's hard to stump them when it comes to the music. So I just was testing if the bars around these ends are the same. You'll never find a bard more uh, more up and up and on their game than I, my friend. Hmm. I'll take you up on that. I think. I've seen many bars, and I can definitely say you're at the very least amongst the, amongst the top. Well, I appreciate it. And kind of pulls off their hat and flourishes a bit. Uh, Phenothetris, at your service, sir. What uh, what can I call you? You can just call me Imra. It's a Imra. pleasure to meet you, Thetan. I have a proposal for you, Imra. Please. What's your proposal? He pulls into his, his, uh, his coin purse and pulls out about about seven or eight gold pieces and kind of almost like poker chips begins to drop them and kind of move them. Very deft, quick hands, uh, very obviously is, plays with coins often and kind of shuffles them a couple times and then sets them on a little table that's in front of you. And he's like, match that and we'll have ourselves a game of stories. Whoever's story is, uh, shall we say, the more impressive takes the pot. I suppose this is more pocket change, but if that's all you have, it's going to pull out an equal amount and just lay across the table. Ah, oh, big spender, are we? I mean, I suppose. Um, I'm not entirely sure what my currency is worth here, but... Well, gold is gold as far as I'm concerned. He kind of picks up one of your pieces and looks at it. I don't recognize the stamps, but again, gold is gold. At least that's consistent across the plains. So, should I go first, or you? I'll go first. I'll give you a moment to think. Okay. So I was in the town of Trawbridge recently, which is mostly humans, which is probably the only town in Alsan that is mostly human. Uh, and those big folk don't really pay much attention to, to us little ones walking around. No offense, of course, to yourself. Uh, I'm taken. Not used to keeping the eyes that low. So I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, I feel a bump in the back. Now, not terribly uncommon. I've been bumped into before. But, you see, I'd been having a bit of drink the night before, and my head wasn't uh, terribly healed, and I was not in the mood to be bumped into, shall we say. So I turned quickly on my heel to give a cuss to whoever had upset my gait. And my eyes went up. And my eyes went up, and my eyes went up, and eventually found the face of my assailant. I was standing in front of one of the largest Goliath men I had ever met in my entire life. Now, the most interesting thing about this Goliath is that, well... Again, not to paint with a broad brush, but by the by, Goliaths aren't known for their, um, shall we say, great works of mechanical engineering. Um, however, this one seemed to be decked out in all sorts of interesting armor, with all sorts of tools and gears and little doodads about them. Everything pristinely shined and well-maintained. I looked up with a start ready to ready to give them a cuss and they looked down at me and just smiled and lowered their head slowly 
and came down to my level and said, So sorry about that, my friend. Didn't see you there. Can I buy you a drink? Well, me being very taken aback by this Goliath, uh, I immediately lost my words and stammered for a moment. And then they did the most obscene thing I've ever had happen to me in my entire life. They picked me up and put me on their shoulder. Okay. I don't know if you've ever been picked up and put on someone's shoulder before. No. It's not the most, um, shall we say, uh, well, I won't say unpleasant, but it's it's a little jarring. Uh, And all of a sudden we're walking, and I'm riding higher than I've ridden in a long time, if you know what I mean. And all of a sudden we enter this inn, and the whole place begins cheering. Apparently they know this Goliath. Apparently they're a regular. And the Goliath sets me down and begins to introduce me, doesn't know my name, just introduces me as a young master, and the whole place begins cheering. The whole place begins buying me drinks. The whole place begins asking me for a song. I'm quite confused at this point, of course. I've gone from being bumped into to now being hailed as a hero. And I spent the night drinking my fill, filling my pockets with change and coin. And at the end of the evening, when I went to find this Goliath, who I had not even caught their name, they were gone like a ghost in the night. I woke up the next morning and I came down from my room that I had gotten at at this tavern. And no one remembered them and no one remembered me. It is as if the previous night had never happened. But I reached into my pocket, and I felt all that gold that I had gotten the night before. And then one little piece that felt odd, and I pulled it out, and it was a little golden gear with etches all around. And they reach into their pocket and pull out this golden gear and kind of twist it between their fingers. And ever since then, the ghost Goliath Tinkerer has been my patron saint. And they flick it in the air and grab it. Interesting. Now, how's that? Little bit of joy, little bit of danger, little bit of ghosts. I bet you can't top it. Let's see what I can can do and see if that ends up topping it. I, I can't say mine is just as merry, I suppose. But um, I think I have an idea. So, I'm, I come from a city named Holomog. You, you probably won't have heard of it. I suppose it's just in the far, far west. But um, my mother's a duchess of that city, making me, I suppose, nobility. But the thing about my mother is, one, well, I'm, I'm sure you can tell, and he kind of like grins to show off his fangs. She's a vampire. Um, but the interesting thing about vampires is they can't, they can't give birth, so I came about in in an admittedly interesting fashion. Uh, this is just a little bit of a backstory, so you know the type of person my mother is before I go into my story. But um, she never failed to remind me of this, and honestly, at this point, I'm, I don't really care. But I was made, I suppose, with the remains and the blessing of Lamashtu. She's a goddess of monsters, if you if you haven't heard of them, at least in where I'm from. And in order to 
I suppose, put me together, to birth me, to animate me. She needed some kind of life. So my mother, the, the brutish vampire that she is, killed my father. Um, he was an elf, just a plain old elf, nothing special about him. Praying mantis style. Yes, I suppose that's actually a way to think about it. In my in Holomog, it's a matriarchy. Um, so she had ridiculous power already as the Duchess of it, and even more since she was a woman. So even even though many people um, suspected her of it, even though she outright admitted it to me, um, there's not really much I can do since she is the law. Absolute power and all of that. But again, like I said, I, I honestly couldn't care less. I never knew my father. I have no need for him. Not really a fan of my mother either, so I wouldn't be surprised if that would have been the same for my father. But that's just a bit of information on how, who she is as a person. She, she killed my father. Many times tried to kill me. The only reason why she couldn't bring herself to it was because I'm quite literally a blessing from Lameshtu, and she can't risk the wrath that Lameshtu will rain down upon her. But... Now that that's over, let's go into my story. I suppose it's more of a love lost kind of deal. So I suppose, prepare your heart. Mm -hmm. Ah, I shall put on my armor. Mm -hmm. So I, as you can tell, I'm a vampire, half vampire. And with my mother and honestly, the things I have done, we quite literally rule over our city with an iron fist and very pointed fangs. And because of that, not many people want to stick around me. They often end up dying, either by my hand or my mother's. Um, but then one day, I was approached while I was walking through my city by uh, a beautiful, just a beautiful person. They, they also seemed elven, uh, very pointed ears, a lot shorter than mine, but um, they were very dark, very tall, about six foot, just just a bit shorter than me. Very lean build as well, um, but they had a very gentle smile, soft hazel eyes. Um, long black curly hair reaching just to the small of their back. And they wore red and golden robes. It, I've been, I patrol, I suppose is the way to put it. I walk around my city often. I know everyone and everyone knows me, but... I'd never seen this person. I'd never met them. So that just meant to me that they must be new. They must be new in town. And with the plans I have for my mother, it's very important to me to have as many allies, or at the very least, subordinates in the city. What about friends? I don't really have time for friends. I'll have to admit. Mm. Then you're poorer then you look. I'm sorry, but I'm, I have to tell you that you're not the first to tell me that. And that person who told me that is currently dead. So I do think that I came out better than they did. And not by mm. my hand, by the hand of their friend. So I'll I try to say. keep my neck safe from you then. Don't worry, I'm not hungry. But this person, um, they approached me asking for directions and this took me a bit off guard. Like I said, most people fear me, or at the very least keep their distance. But this person just approached me like there was just some stranger on the streets. And I mean, naturally that took me off guard and any snide remark that I'd usually dish out to someone fell from my lips. 
So instead, I asked them where they wanted to go and led them there. And as we walked, I asked them their name. And their name was Naruma. And Naruma, she'd recently come into town. Um, and they were just looking for a place to stay, just passing through sort of thing, which is fair. Like I said, again, most people tend to stay clear of not just me, but the town because of people like me and my mother. But having someone walk through, I don't know, intrigued me. So I, I started asking questions and it seemed like she was just on her way on a little journey that she goes on her people. It turns out she's a kitsune. And they just seem to go from town to town, learning about different societies, different fields of knowledge. She just seemed to want to learn, which was very interesting and a breath of fresh air. I'm, I'm a sorcerer. I, I'm learned in the ways of magic. But my mother is a, just a, like I said, a brute. Just a sword and shield, that's all she really needs. Maybe the blessing of a god every now and then, but nothing interesting, nothing that requires more thought. And she always found it weak of me that I didn't enjoy martial fighting. That I was a spell, spell world, a magic wielder instead of a sword wielder. So I was always brought up in a household, um, always surrounded by people just swinging clubs and axes, things I'd had no interest in. But this person, this apparently quite learned person, is here trying to learn. Not about life, but about magic as well. She was a wizard. So we're just talking, passing along our notes on the magics we're trying to understand and learn. And I'll admit, I grew rather fond of them. It's not every day I get to share an interest with someone that isn't just doing it because of the fear they have of me or my mother or throwing their absurd interests at me. I can feel the arrow coming from my heart already. Yes. Well, I'd visit her often. After my mother would send me out to train very forcibly to train with a sword and shield. Despite my lack of proficiency in any of them, she didn't stop trying, often resulting to violence to force me into doing it. But after those training sessions, I would run off without telling her, of course. I've, I've seen what she does to the quote-unquote friends I've made. I'd run off to Kitsune, this Kitsune, Naruma, and we'd just sit down in the park and read. I would often write in my journal, and he pats his journal. And she would just study the powers and powers of books she's, she managed to get hands on during her journey. And every so often, I'd let her read my writings, though. Fortunately, none of them make sense. They very much are more than just a flood of thoughts, almost a flood of, I suppose, spiritual manifestations, predictions. No one, no one entirely knows. I'm not entirely sure what they are, but she would attempt it, uh, maybe to amuse me, maybe out of actual curiosity. I, I never, never really knew, but it became a daily occurrence. And then one day, one of my, I guess, 
not my. This is why I'm very much trying to get subordinates down on my side. But one of the subordinates of my mother caught me outside with um, Naruma. And like I said, I'd never told my mother that I was doing this. As far as she was concerned, I was in my library. She hates anything to do with reading and books. She thinks it's useless and pointless. So she never really goes in there to check. So she never caught on or suspected my lie. But this subordinate saw me and before I could stop them, they ran off to tell my mother. It was the kind of thing where my mother strikes so much fear in people that unfortunately I can't strike enough to counter it. Um, so I returned home in a hurry, told Naruma to hide as soon as possible. Like I said, I've seen what my mother does to the, again, quote unquote, friends that I've made. And it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. Um, I see many of them again, but not alive. So I told Naruma to hide and I went back home. And as far as I was aware, my mother didn't seem any different. She didn't bring up anything. It asked while I was out. So a little bit confused, I hunted down this subordinate and of course naturally killed them. Um, couldn't risk them blabbing to my mother. And then I went to bed. Well, naturally, as one does. Yes. I mean, you can't you can't risk these kind of things. It's fine. I, there are many others that would replace them. My mother wouldn't notice. So I went to bed. And the next day, I woke up with a pile of books on my bed. I'm, I'm a very light sleeper, so it's not often that someone can sneak up on me and do anything really in my vicinity without me noticing. But the fact that someone had made it very clear who it was. Like, I, there's no one really as light on their feet as my mother. And I looked through these books and she had no reason to want to recommend any of these to me. Like I said, she was not a fan of books. She didn't, she thought it was pointless. If you wanted to learn, learn through experience. And if you wanted to learn, if it wasn't possible to learn through experience, it was no use in learning it. So I read, I looked through these books and I realized I recognized them. They were the books that Nairuma would read to, with me while we were in the parks. If my heart could beat, I suppose my heart would be racing, but luckily for me, I don't have to deal with that kind of thing. But I immediately knew what was going on, especially after I saw a splotch of blood on one of the pages of the book. Now, Naruma loved their books. They would never, ever get any of them dirty. She took absolute care of them. She had her own protectors that she would take with her, even to the park, just in case they would get grass stains or mud on them. So not just having the books with me, but this smeared book was more than enough to let me know that something was wrong. And again, like I said, I know exactly what a mother does to the friends I make. So like the many other times this has happened, I walk towards my window and I open the curtains and outside, right beside the others that my mother has dealt with, I see Nairuma staked through the heart, burning. It was, for a moment I thought, I should be hurting, that my heart should be aching, I should be feeling something, but only I didn't. I just sighed, 
closed the curtains and added these new books to my collection and moved on. Like I said, it's not quite as jovial or happy as your story, but it's a story that, that stuck. Um, I, despite the fact that I didn't feel anything, I felt like I should. So I don't know, in my naive attempt to act normal, human, I don't know. I went over to her body after it had finished burning, of course, and looked for anything that could remind me of her. I thought maybe if I did that, I would feel something for her. I'd feel some kind of urge to mourn, to cry, something. And in the remains of her smoldering body, there's a medallion, a red medallion with a gold banding around it. Um, nothing special. It's very simple. Honestly, I have, I have jewels on my my pyjamas that were more extravagant and more expensive than this. But I, I took it and I still wear it. Um, not a reminder of her. Even after I took it, I felt nothing, really. It was unfortunate, but honestly, I feel like I might have felt more of the books burned along with her. But I took it as a reminder of what I plan on doing to my mother. I... She's a war warlord and I can't say that I'd be any different in her place in fact I do plan on taking over and doing her job better but she did everything so inefficiently why burn someone on a stake just end it quickly why why have all these subordinates trying to build up your city when you can expand and conquer others I I want to just, I want everyone to just fear me. And the only person that doesn't is my mother. And I need to, I want to fix that. You see now as you kind of come to the end of your story that it's not just the bard who's listening to you now. The entire tavern has slowly congregated around, entranced by the horrificness and the um, just how compelling your words are. And you hear a little bit of a, a gasp and a murmur and a sigh and then kind of come out of your own kind of storytelling you know, trance and look around and see that there, everyone's around you. And the bard kind of leans back and goes... So you felt nothing, but you keep that around your neck and you've devoted your life to doing something in her name. Yeah, you felt nothing. You misunderstand. No. I wanted to uh -huh. kill my mother from the very beginning. We've, you see this scar? And he points at his neck. Mm -hmm. I got this scar when I first tried to kill my mother. I was very young. I don't know. I couldn't be older than maybe 30 or 40 years old. And she slayed me. She quite literally killed me. It was honestly only because of the blessing of Lamashtu that I came back. And that alone was enough to let me know that not only is killing my mother my priority, my wish, but Lamashtu's. 
No, I wanted I've wanted to kill my mother for a very long time, and please don't. I'm not definitely not asking for pity. I I promise you, I am much worse than my mother. I I just wanted to kill her, honestly. And having a god on my side, having a goddess on my side, sorry, Lamesh too. It will just make it all the more sweet. And the bard kind of looks at you with squinted eyes for a minute and then grabs a glass and, well, here's to killing vampire tyrants. And replace them with new ones. <laughs> there were no ghosts in your story, friend, but uh, I think you've earned this. And they push the coins across the table towards you. He looks down there and just says, no, like I said, this is pocket change. And he pushes it back to the bard. You don't have to ask me twice. And they scoop it into their, their hat and like make it disappear. Uh, people begin to kind of like slowly go back to their tables and everything. Uh, and as the little bit of noise happens with that, the bard leans in and goes, okay, so like, this is incredible and the performance is amazing. How do you get the red eye thing? Is that like an herb that you rub in there to make that happen? Like I can probably fashion the teeth. I'm going to use this, of course. Sorry. Like, no, it's just I what's going to happen. I'm actually a vampire. Right, right. Commitment to the bit. Commitment to the bit. I totally get it. But you got it before you leave. You got to tell me how you get the, the eyes that red without it just being a problem. Because that's fantastic. <sighs> Well, that explains a lot. I suppose bars are the same, just dim-witted. I would take insult to that if I wasn't already in such a good mood. And they kind of go back and <laughs> begin to play another song. The innkeeper uh, finds you a little ways afterwards with another glass of wine. He says, this one's on the house. That was uh, quite the entertaining tale you told. I suppose that's if, one way to uh, say it. A bit, a bit gruesome, but... Um, no, anyone who can, uh, <laughs> keep everyone in the tavern, uh, well entertained and, and buying more drinks is, is always welcome. Well, I suppose you're welcome for not going into details because it was rather gruesome and I feel like it would definitely put everyone off the wine at the very Yes, least. there is a line, isn't there, of, yes. uh, too much and then all of a sudden they don't want to order any more food. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, well, it's been very interesting getting to know you and um for what it's worth i hope you make it back safely but in the meantime the the room of course is yours you have the key um thank you and if there's anything you need just let me know um you mentioned mirren yes the elven kingdom how far away is that from here oh goodness a couple miles north is their border uh, not far at all. Um, although how far you have to walk through the trees till you find their city, I do not know. Good point. That's fair. Let's hope it does take me a week before ending up back at home. I think I'd like to go sightseeing. There are some wonderful sights around the kingdom, that's for sure. I'm sure. And he gets up and heads to the room. Imro was one of the more memorable characters that I've met in some time. I can't say that I completely relate to him. Growing up in wealth, having vampire blood ruling, those are all things that seem very far removed from my little life here by the Greenwood. And yet, his story of lost love and friendship and grief, who couldn't relate to that? No matter where we come from, 
no matter how we may seem different at first glance, I think we're all much more similar than we tend to notice without looking a little deeper and listening to each other's stories. I'll write you again very soon. There are new shingles for the roof arriving in the next couple of days that need to be put on, and that will keep me busy for a while. But like I said at the beginning, there are many more stories that need to be told. Till then.